When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with the newest episode of the No Huddle Show. I'm here with Mike K. Sorry we haven't been around for a couple weeks. We were, you know, bouncing around Indianapolis, gabbing with some NFL people. Uh, today, we've just been distracted by the Game of Thrones trailer. We're both pretty excited about it. Um, but, yeah, we just wanted to get back in the mix. You know, there's so much stuff going on. We're going to try and cover all of it. We'll be getting you guys some more podcasts more frequently during the offseason because the Eagles have a lot of stuff going on. But, uh, but Mike, I mean, that, that was both of our first trip to, to Indy, right? That was your first one. Yeah, you know, normally I, I would cover the Senior Bowl and the Pro Days, and, and this year we put a priority, obviously, on the Combine with our company. And, um, you know, I think we got a lot out of it. I mean, there there was a lot that a lot of whispers that we were able to kind of hear. There were a lot of... Um, That's pretty. It's pretty much a whispering Combine. Like, the, the actual, like, stuff going on in the field really doesn't matter to, like, the people that are in Indianapolis. Yeah, we were like... Maybe Ver- the scouts, I guess. If, you, but... if you're a Game of Thrones fan, we were like Varys and Littlefinger, like, just, like, <laughs> chilling around, just hearing all the birds. But, well, uh, yeah, it, was, it was Varys that had, like, the little kids whisper, like, getting them all the secrets or whatever, right? Yeah, Yeah, we <laughs> we, we should say that no kids were used in the involvement of our source. Yeah, in Indianapolis, there were no kids <laughs> running around telling us about Antonio Brown wants to go to the Raiders or something. Like, we that's not... I saw one girl drop a lollipop, but other than that, that was it. Um, yeah, you know, it was a, it was an eye-opening experience just because there's so much going on. Like, it's one of those events where, to give you a little bit of insight into other NFL events, the, you know, the playoffs, you're focused on a game. The owner's meeting, you're, 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 you're very, uh, you have a very succinct schedule, um, the senior bowl same thing combine everything all of that stuff is very uniform and very well thought out and processed the combine you're just kind of like everywhere like until like three in the morning <laughs> right yeah oh my gosh yes um and you see everyone and everybody's around that's, and I th- that's one of the cool things like there's there's a couple like uh bars and restaurants that everybody in the nfl hangs out in. you know there, there's one night where there jerry jones is in the corner you see, like Mike Rabel walking. Like it just, it's just cool seeing all these faces around around town. But, but as we said, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about, a lot to take out of the combine. The Eagles, in particular, have had a lot of stuff happen even since the since we left, at least. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna go through some of the storylines that are going on with the Eagles right now. We'll we'll, we'll start. We'll do more recent, and then we'll go backwards. Um, the first one that happened most recently, as we're recording this podcast, was uh, the Eagles. As expected, really, are planning to decline Timmy Jernigan's $13 million team option. Um, this is, I mean, first of all, it saves them $7 million by doing that, and they take a $6 million dead cap hit, which, if you think about, like, they signed him to this huge contract, like, a year and a half ago, and they've already moved, pretty much moving on from him, and it's largely because of his mysterious offseason injury, and if he doesn't do that, then he's locked into this contract. Like, it was pretty guaranteed, I believe, and he was willing to do that because it was a non-football injury. Um, I think they they valued Timmy Jernigan on this team, I think, not at $13 million. He's a, he's a really well-liked guy in the locker room. He's pretty good when he's healthy. The, a back injury is, is a concern, so it doesn't shock me that they're letting him go. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised here if they brought him back on, like, a cheap deal. But as it stands right now, he won't be on this team. 
Yeah, I think he's in a weird spot, right? Because you look at the defensive line draft class, and there's a lot of really good defensive tackles. And so I don't know how much teams are really going to spend on interior pass rushers. Especially guys that don't really get sacks, because he doesn't really get sacks. Right. He's more of like a run-stopper kind of guy. Right, and I think, you know, he's a guy that might need to sign later in March. In one of those prove-it deals. Yeah, and if you're him... You probably want that prove-it deal to be in Philadelphia, I would think. You've got to see what happens with their free agency and everything like that. But I think, you know, Jim Schwartz just is emphatic with his praise about Jernigan. Um, I think Peterson really appreciates his energy. So it's, again, it's a decision that probably will need to wait a little while before they retain him. That said, it's the right thing to do. Opening up $7 million could really help you. Especially if a lot of the rumors are true about trade interests and free agent interests. But on top of that, extending your own guys, which I think has been the theme of this week. Yeah, well, before we get into that, I should say, you know, if they do move on from Tim Journey, you mentioned this, you know, there's a lot of options to replace him. And I think if they don't bring him back, I kind of get the sense that the what they would do is draft somebody either in the first or second round. And you bring in a veteran type of guy, you know, ideally an upgrade from a Haloni Nada. You know, Bo Allen would be was an ideal guy for that. Should have brought him back anyway. We've talked about that plenty on here, even dating back to when Elliot was on the podcast. We couldn't believe that they chose Haloni Nada over Bo Allen. But the Buccaneers might release him. You know, there's another familiar face, Benny Logan, would be okay as a backup. Uh, there's some other like intriguing like veteran guys they could sign, or they could go and try and sign somebody to start. You know, there's some like if they wanted to spend on Sheldon Richardson or somebody like that, mm-hmm. they're more likely to do a veteran and rookie. There are some really good rookie guys. I mean, defensive tackles looked the top ones looked really good in Indianapolis, um, especially Dexter Lawrence. Dude's 340 pounds. He ran, I think he ran a, less than a five. No, he, oh, he, he ran, he a, ran but, a five. But, I mean, five. considering that size, that's really yeah, good. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And he put up really good bench press numbers. I mean. There's guys like Ed Oliver. There's uh, Christian Wilkins might be there at 25 at this point. He didn't have a great combine, but I think they like him. Uh, I believe they visited with him out there. They did. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if I, I wasn't – before they re-signed Brandon Graham, which we're going to get into in a minute, I wasn't sure they would draft a defensive tackle that early because you you prioritize Ed Rushers over defensive tackles in this league because there's not – you when you have the chance to get guys like that, you go and get them. They still could draft an Ed Rusher in the first round, by the way, for reasons we'll talk about later in the podcast. But at this point, if I was predicting right now, I would say they're going to draft a defensive tackle in the first round. Defensive tackle is easily their biggest need. Is it going yeah. to be the best position on the board? That's, that's what that, I think Well, that's is, how Howie approaches it. Right. I, I think you look at – I think – when you look at it just objectively, I think defensive tackle, wide receiver, and safety are their biggest needs now with the Brandon Graham news. You want to get into that? Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, we, while we were in Indianapolis, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson spoke to us on Wednesday. And one of the things that Howie emphasized that they they prioritize keeping their talented players in in the building. And then you, you know augment that with other players. So, they prefer to spend their money on and how he's done that the last couple of years last time they really went on a spending spree i just did air quotes i forgot you can't really see that on a podcast uh there's no video here is there no there's not <laughs> but uh the last time they really spent like a bunch of money on free agents it was the year they brought in brandon brooks um who's the other big free agent they brought in that year i'm blanking uh it was a couple uh, years ago rodney mcleod rodney mcleod those were the two big ones that right. year they spent a decent amount of money on those guys 2016 late they were in their late 20s so it's you're investing in a guy in their prime 
Um, and I imagine that, and how even reference, you know, I'm only going to sign guys. We prefer to go after the guys that are like in the middle tier of free agency, not like the elite guys where you're competing against everything in the league. The mid tier you're competing with against six or seven teams. Anyway, the point being, uh, they prefer to keep their guys in house that deserve to be here. And I think you and I were both a little surprised that they did wind up actually re-signing Brendan Graham, and as early as they did, he didn't have to re-sign two weeks before the free agency started. I think he gave them a discount, to be honest. He's going to be making around $13 million a year for three years. Uh, $40 million over three years was the contract. We don't know like all the guarantee and all the figures and stuff. But based on the way all these defensive ends are getting franchise tagged, you know, D4, Jadavion Clowney, Demarcus Lawrence, Frank Clark, those are all the top free agent uh, defensive ends. So that would have left pretty much Trey Flowers and Brandon Graham in free agency. And I think he would have gotten at least $15 million per year. Yeah, I, I think that it, it's more about the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And I think when you look at this defensive end class, it's deep, but you have you, you, you're so infatuated with the rotation that you're going to need a veteran and a rookie or a veteran and another veteran to make up for the possible depth that you're going to lose. You know, there's, we'll get into it a little bit later, but Michael Bennett could be on the trade block. Chris Long could retire or move on. You need to solidify that group. And I think Brandon Graham's a guy who delivers as, as a pass rusher and a run stopper. And that's what Jim Schwartz really covets. So I think it makes sense to lock him up long-term. He was talking like he didn't know if he'd be back, but he was still doing the PR tour that, you know, hey, I want to be here and everything like that. He's probably the most unusual career eagle of yeah. the last several years. I mean, Brent Selleck was a guy that everybody kind of figured this he, was his spot. And then Brandon Graham's been through turmoil. He didn't start for his first five years. Like, this is a this is kind of a crazy story, and I think Brandon Graham will benefit this team next year because he's not coming off ankle surgery. He's he's 100% healthy. He played very well in the playoffs. He's a guy that they want to build around. He, Fletcher Cox, you know, um, Malcolm Jenkins, and whatever cornerback they like this week. So I think I think he's a foundational piece, and it's good for him that he'll be here for another few years. You know, I, we, I said this throughout the season in the podcast. He, he would say things that was like, it made it almost obvious that he was leaving. And his last day on cleanout day, I think he thought he was not going to be with the Eagles anymore. He hugged every single media member on their way out of the door. Like, you don't do that if you expect to come back. Um, so it's cool. It's it's a surprise, but it's cool. You know, he's one of the most well-liked guys in the locker room. I know he started off his career, like you said. He, everybody called him a bust. But I think this was a big move for the Eagles. Uh, they're, they're, they weren't going to get a guy better than him is the reality. They weren't going to get Frank Clark. They weren't going to get any of those franchise had guys. Maybe Trey Flowers would have been a guy that's better than him, but he also is going to cost a lot of money, I think. So that was a good move. And now, you know, they also looked internally. Like I said, you know, Graham was going to be a free agent. They looked at two offensive linemen, and they extended them. The more important one, obviously, is Jason Kelsey, who had been considering retirement. Um, I don't know if he was actually considering it, but I, I think – he probably wanted this raise pretty badly, and he deserves to be the highest-paid center in the NFL, which he will be now. I believe the number he'll be making $11 million per year. Um, he, he's the highest-paid center per, per average. Yeah, yeah, year. per average. Yeah, yeah. Um, Two-time you know, All-Pro. You know, you, t- you talk about crazy trajectory. Even Kelsey, you know, in 2016, he was the great of the worst center, starting center in the NFL, I believe. They were going to trade him or cut him. like That was the talk, and then they decided to stick with him. The last two years, he's been graded the number one center in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. He's been an All-Pro both years. Uh, last year, he battled a knee injury all year, which you know wasn't talked about for a lot of the year. And that I mean, it's been brought up more often now. But 
Um, you, you just had, I mean, this is the kind of guy you can't afford to let, let be upset. He's the most popular guy in Philadelphia like, now that Nick Foles is gone. Yeah, and I think him probably finishing his career here, which he was going to probably do anyway if yeah. he would have retired, but extending that career um, is important, especially yeah. when you consider all the turmoil that's kind of around the offensive line right now. Jason Peters continues to age. He's got a history of injury problems. He's Brooks' got, injury, yeah. He's got a huge contract. You got the Brooks injury. You know, Lane Johnson's one suspension away from, you know, year. yeah, for, you know, so there's a lot going on there. Isaac Sayamalu's been okay, but he's been okay. You know what I mean? So locking down the center of the offense and a guy that Carson once really likes working with is a smart move. This offseason needs to be about making Carson once comfortable and Jason Kelsey sticking around is a big part of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because he's what thirty one, mm-hmm. right? Um, and between him and Brandon Graham, they're both thirty one, I believe. And the Eagles historically just usually moved on from guys as they hit that age. But the interesting part about both of those guys, they're pretty unique, which I feel like is an underrated part of this because, as you mentioned, Brandon Graham, the first half of his career, he both didn't start and he wasn't very productive. And I think you're seeing him come into a stride the last three years. And then Kelsey has had the best two years of his career the last two years. So it's like, yes, by the end of their contracts, maybe they'll, you'll see them on decline, but it's three years for both of them, I believe. They're both going to expire in 2021. So I, I, don't, I don't have any issue with them doing what they did. Those guys deserve to get the money they make. Um, one that was, I don't know if surprising, but they did extend Isaac Samal. You, met, you messaged him, and that was just a clear sign that they're expressing their confidence in him as a core part of this offensive line, which is... A year ago, we were talking about him as a training camp bubble guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was one of the bigger surprises of the season. You, I know you said he was okay, but okay is a, a pretty big step up from what he was the year before when he lost his job to Wiz. Uh, what this means going forward, you know, they view him as a future. I think whenever Kelsey retires, he might be the guy they slide over to replace Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I'm more curious about what this means for Stefan Wisniewski, and I think a lot of that has to do with, number one, if they're confident Brandon Brooks is going to be back by the start of the season, which I'm not confident he will be. And number two, if they would rather keep Wisniewski or pursue a rookie and or another veteran guy as opposed to keeping a guy who pretty clearly is unhappy not starting. He's pretty much expressed that publicly. Uh, you said, what does this mean for Stefan Wisniewski? As a league source told me, probably not anything good. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, obviously. If they're, yeah. if they're prioritizing, say, I'm all over him, I mean. And you can cut him for $3 million and they need all the salary cap space they can get. Especially... You know, if Jason Peters comes back, that might be the end for Wisniewski because they well, need that extra money. Like yeah, that. and then you're dra- you know you drafted Matt Pryor, you drafted Jordan Melata, you have uh, Big V. You're you can, probably you can, you can sign, draft a couple you can of sign a seven Wisniewski like player for four million dollars. And I think he's served his purpose. I think he's been a very decent utility guard for them. Um, he's you know his real strength is that he can play guard and center. Um, I actually covered him in Jacksonville when he had some snapping issues, which then led to him moving He's to guard. A strange guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. I'm a big fan. You bring up uh, Isaac Samalu and you bring up Jason Kelsey. I'm like a big fan of looking at an entire draft class, Paul, as one entity. And so like five years after that draft, it doesn't matter if you were a first-round pick, a third-round pick, whatever, That you that determines the value. If you've got players and you look at the 2011 NFL draft, that's the draft where they miss on Danny Watkins, oh, Jake yeah, Juan Jarrett, Curtis Marsh, 
I mean, Casey Matthews had a nice four-year career. It probably was the draft that did Andy Reid in, honestly. Right, yeah, yeah Alex Henry. Uh, oh, but but look, but on here, Kelsey, yeah. you have Deion Lewis, who's carved out a nice career and just made not, some money. He, just not in Philadelphia. <laughs> right. What do you mean? He landed the Emmanuel Acho in a player-for-player oh, yeah, trade. Yeah, that's right. They, they trained with the Browns, right, wasn't that? Yeah. yeah, so Jason Kelsey, I mean, if you told me, and I was a guy that, let's say I was a Cardinals fan, and I was just talking to you about your offensive line, if you would have told me Jason Kelsey was a first-round pick for this team back in 2011, I'd say, oh, wow, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? So I think it's a good practice to have. Like, 2010, so that's that's the year that they, I believe, drafted Brandon Graham. Yeah. Yeah, so looking at, at Brandon... At the time, it was like, why didn't you draft Earl Thomas, who's got, who's actually a free agent this offseason also? Right, yeah. who wants crazy money. Yeah. Um, but you look at that, and you see Nate Allen, who not a lot of people liked, but he got a few second you know a few more contracts clay harbor who got another contract riley cooper sorry i brought him up and then kurt coleman who's still going strong so looking at those drafts it's very interesting to me but when we talk about i'm sorry i'll wrap up and make this point (laughs) isaac siamalu is the guy was the first guy drafted after carson Wentz, and i think that that gets kind of lost in the shuffle that third round pick yeah you know they traded a lot to get Carson. Then they prioritized the offensive line for the long term. It was Sam Alu and Big V. And Sam Alu, if he develops, you can say that draft class is pretty good. I mean, you've got a swing tackle who played left tackle during the Super Bowl run. you got a franchise quarterback. And then you potentially have a foundational guard. I, I, I think... I think that's what the re-signing really triggers in my brain is, hey, maybe that draft wasn't just Carson. And then we can flip it back to the other side of the guy that won't be coming back to Philadelphia, which, as expected, is Nick Foles. Uh, Howie Roseman kind of surprisingly told us at the Combine that they're not going to franchise tag Foles, which was pretty much a week before they had to do that. Um, a lot of people are talking about like they're doing it out of courtesy to him, but the reality is there's we've talked about there's nobody who's going to trade for him. Like Even the Jaguars, who it's it seems like a foregone conclusion he's going there, I'd I'd say that's a little premature considering there's still another week until more than a week till free agency. And, you know, if Josh Rosen's in the mix, who knows what the Jaguars want to do, blah, blah, blah. But there was no teams that we don't need to rehash this whole discussion, but there wasn't enough teams that were interested for the franchise tag to be a realistic thing. Um, But it's good for Foles. He gets a chance to go out in the open market and become a starting quarterback somewhere. Probably the Jaguars. Uh, I would guess he makes somewhere in the range of $18 million a year. I would guess. I don't think he's going to make 20. Unless there's yeah. unless, unless like the Dolphins or Redskins are like wait maybe we should consider Nick Foles instead of Ryan Tannehill or some of these other scrubs they're talking about so I you know I would expect his market to be around sixteen to nineteen million yeah. I think that that's like a fair range I, I think I, in a story I wrote I projected three for fifty seven yeah that's a pretty good one I would have said three for fifty five yeah. um, at two million <laughs> yeah hey you know you know it's all about the funny money um but yeah I, I think nick i wrote this today obviously we've talked about it before i covered the jaguars uh prior to coming here i think you know prior to and i've been on this podcast and said i didn't think it was a great fit but that was when the franchise tag was taken into consideration i i think oh wow um sorry my add uh as as we're talking right now the texans have released cornerback uh kevin johnson who's a former first round pick don't ask about him. No, no. Hardcore pass. Um, back to Nick Foles. So I think Nick Foles is a guy who actually fits into the Jaguars organization pretty well from a personality standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. 
My big hang-up was money. Like you said, I don't think his market's going to be very good, which is going to bring down his market value, which means they're going to be able to get him for less than market value. On top of that, they don't have to trade away a pick. That is huge because, as we know, Nick Foles needs stuff built around him, and now the the with the lack of a market and the lack of trading away assets, the Eagle or sorry, the Jaguars can build around him, and I think that's really that makes him way more intriguing as an option uh, for the Jaguars. Yeah, because now they can their offense needs a lot of work, especially Foles yes. with their quarterback. So, um, and they have the number seven pick. They've High second round pick. Um, they have multiple third round picks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Dante Fowler. They're not, they don't have cap space right now, but they can clear out a bunch of guys and get there, which they would have to do to sign Foles anyway. But uh, all right, now let's talk about two guys. One rumored to be coming in, another rumored to be going out. Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> Great decision making prowess there. All right, we'll talk about the Eagles. So uh, Michael Bennett. Um, there's there was a rumor that. At the combine, the Eagles were floating the possibility of trading him. Um, from what I heard, it sounds like that's a real possibility that he's not a part of the of the team this next year. Mm-hmm. It, it, on the surface, it's pretty surprising because of how good he was for them last year. You know, we, you and I raved about him for eight weeks. He had nine sacks. He was their second best pass rusher outside of Fletcher Cox. He clearly has not lost a step. Um, he seemed like he was fitting in pretty well in the locker room, mm-hmm. especially when we're around the guys. Like at least among the, his teammates, he seemed like he was fitting in pretty well. There were some like early early season spats where he got into a, like a yelling match with Chris Wilson, and he was kind of doing his own thing when it came to like the anthem and stuff like that. But it, it seemed like everybody didn't think that was that big of a deal. Um, but they brought back Brandon Graham, which kind of signaled the end for either him or Chris Long, I think, because both of those guys have publicly expressed that. They want to have a full-time role, mm-hmm. and both of them weren't going to have that last year until Derek Barnett got hurt. So all of a sudden, Michael Bennett's a starter, Chris Long's the number three, and they're getting as many snaps as they would get on any team. Now that you have Barnett back, you have Brandon Graham coming back, and then you have one of Long or him, and if they draft somebody or they feel like Josh Sweat is ready to take the next step, Michael Bennett was not going to have the same role this year. As good as he was last year, he's just not going to, so... The reason why you maybe choose to get rid of him over Chris Long, $7 million, non-guaranteed. You get rid of him, you clear $7 million. You save, I believe, like 4 or $5 million if you get rid of Chris Long, and you incur a small cap penalty. So, I mean, it's surprising, but in, in the grand scheme of things, it makes some sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think when it's, you— It's not great practice to get rid of great players, I would say. but Right, but he had a good year, and I think he's a tradable asset. Yeah, exactly, and he'd get you more than like Chris Long would in a trade. Right, and I saw a lot of people debating online whether you would rather sign Brandon Graham or just keep Michael Bennett, and I think those are two completely unrelated— Yeah. You know, subjects. I mean, Brandon Graham, you're not going to get any value for on the trade. You know, you and, can't and trade. And he's four years younger too. Right, and and I think he does much better against the run, mm-hmm. and that's something that they emphasize heavily in Jim Schwartz's defense. I think Mike Bennett is a good player, but I think they want to get younger. They realize they have to build a sustainable product, um, and you know, uh, I'm not going to talk about the personality stuff because I don't really think that that's. Not that it's not relevant, but it's not... When you're looking at value for value, if you said they got him for a fifth-round pick in Marcus Johnson, if they can get a fourth for him, that's a pretty good trade. You got nine nine sacks and a fourth-round pick, yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I get it. 
I get it. And, you know, the, the combine, everybody floats names. Yeah, that's you the know. thing. Like, just, just talking about a guy doesn't mean you're necessarily going to trade him. Right. And I think that they're... So if they do, it will be in the, within the next week, I would guess. Yeah, I, I would assume so. And I think, I think for the Eagles, too, they could probably see an opening in this market because you're going to see all these guys get franchise tagged. So, so who are you going to get yeah. when those guys are out, off the table? Yeah. Well, and I think teams are From also other teams. I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Right. I also think teams are weary of, you know, compensatory. You know, or sorry, they're they're leery of compensatory losing compensatory picks. So you don't, you don't lose them in a trade. Right. So I think that that's kind of where I would go with that. I think you know a team like the Rams maybe or the Chargers. You you got to send him to a good locker room and a place where he wants to be. But I think he's a good enough player where he can be a starting defensive end in this league. Yeah, absolutely. And on the guy potentially coming in, um, the Browns, for some reason, signed Kareem Hunt this offseason, and they have uh, Nick Chubb, Nick and, Chubb, who's really good. Yeah. And they've so Duke Johnson has been, it seemed like he was a heavy topic of discussion in Indianapolis. Um, what? Why do you think he would be a good fit with the Eagles? So he is a triple threat, like a true triple threat, like Darren Sproles in his prime. They're different. They're a little bit different and, body and he, types. Yeah, he's a little bigger, yeah. Right, but, um, you know, he can run well. He averaged over four yards per carry. Um, he's a really good receiver out of the backfield. They lined him up in the slot a ton in his early career in Cleveland. And then he's also a really understated blocker. Like, I think he's probably one of the better third down backs in the league. That said, could he have a bigger role? Potentially. He was really good at Miami. Um, and I think, you know, he was one of the few guys that really fit in well with Hugh Jackson. Probably not so much with Kitchens. Um, I had heard that he was on the block and that the Eagles were somewhat interested. Um, that said, he makes a lot of sense for this West Coast offense, especially if you're moving on from Darren Sproles. You know, do you want another repeat of potential hamstring, long prolonged soft tissue injury, which older guys tend to get? Or do you want to go out and bring in a guy who's signed until 2021 and who could be a long term piece for this team? I think. Duke makes a lot of sense. They have two fourth-round picks because of the compensatory pick that they... One of the two compensatory picks that they got. I would trade a fourth-round pick for him right now. Like, right now. Would not be a problem. Wouldn't blink. Um, that said, you're not going to trade a second-round pick for him, even though they have two. Um, I could see a player-for-player player trade that I would actually really like to propose to you. Oh, you're proposing to me? Yeah, I'm going to propose You're proposing? To you. Yeah, so... I'm just so unexpected. Let me ask you this. <laughs> No, we'll not marry you. Sorry. The other guy that there have been some rumblings about is Nelson Aguilar. He's got a $9.4 million contract. Yeah, see where you're going. Uh, the Browns have a boatload of money. Um, they could use another receiver. They could use another receiver, especially a guy who can play on the inside and outside. Um, there's not really a ton around uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, to me, it, it's a little bit of a cap charge. But you have the money, and you can probably rework a nice deal. Do you trade Nelson Aguilar straight up for Duke Johnson? I think from the Eagles' perspective, I would. Um, I think the Browns need more of like a big-bodied, like tall, wide receiver to add to that core that they have. But Aguilar is really good. And... But remember, they're not giving up a pick. Yeah, yeah. So they still could do that. Yeah, you know that's fair. Um, I guess for, from the Eagles' perspective, it will come down to whether they would rather bring in a running back that they know like what kind of player he is or would you rather have a fourth round pick for Aguilar that you can decide what that player is so I, I it makes sense I, I, I wouldn't trade Aguilar for a fourth round pick if that makes sense See, that's why I, I think this this makes more like you're sense. saying that's not enough 
Yeah, I, I I would want a third round pick her former first round pick who just had two eight hundred yard seasons, seven hundred yard seasons, well, he yeah, eight hundred yards in his career. Sorry, he's, he's not getting a third Sorry. round pick in a trade. But well, I know, but that's why I think the alternative with Aguilar Problem is, also is a salary too in a trade. But right, my problem, my thing is you've got to get something of value. He is part of your offensive ecosystem yeah. and a really big part. And and you have to be sure you can replace him with somebody who's at least as good. My thing, too, is, is I think you have to invest a high draft pick in a running back as well. So the fact that you're trading a player for a player, you're not putting more draft capital in, into him. I, I just think, to me, Nelson Aguilar is a guy that you trade for another starter in another position. Yeah, I don't necessarily need a draft pick. Uh, you have eight picks right now. You want a third-round pick. Well, so Okay, so maybe you do Nelson Aguilar in one of the fourth-round picks and move up in the third. If it's if it's a really that's, early that's third, um, that's kind of Howie type deal. You know, it's kind of like the reverse of what they did in the Jernigan trade. Right. I, I think he, but I think with Jernigan too, Jernigan was a guy that they did not want to get less than a third for, so they settled for a swap value. For me, Duke Johnson for Nelson Aguilar makes a lot of sense because they're both really heavily invested in the offensive ecosystems of both teams. And the Browns have like a billion dollars in cap space. Right. <laughs> and and I think you can make Aguilar happy with a guy like Baker. Uh, you know, Kitchens is a really smart guy. And really, I don't know how... You, something's got to give with Nelson Aguilar because he's not... He shouldn't be making 9.4. He's not. It's either going to be an extension, they're going to cut him, or they're going to trade him. I see. I don't see them cutting him. I, I, th- I think it, I'm just saying that's one of the three po- avenues right, that could happen. If they don't if they don't find a trade before March 13th, they might have to cut him. So I'll make a bold prediction. I think that if they will find a trade partner for him. Uh, that's not a report. It's just I think that's what they – I think that's the smart move. Because eventually you're going to get into a thing with him where, you know – you don't really they still I don't think have figured him out if that makes sense like yeah he he really rose to prominence in the slot and um, he's a talented player but I just don't know if he's ever going to be that number one guy you've already got Alshon we constantly talk about how they need another guy on the outside where's the money going and I think Nelson Aguilar's a guy that you swap for another starter in another position running back and wide receiver for both teams are probably of similar value. I think Duke Johnson would be an absolute awesome addition to this team. Yeah, and he fits well as like a pass catching option. All right, mm-hmm. let's before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about um, the NFL Combine because we were just there and Eagles have a lot of picks, a lot of needs. Um, just real quick, let's go through who are a couple guys you left there thinking like, huh, he make he would be cool as an Eagles draft pick. So, Miles Boykin from Notre Dame had an unreal combine. Uh, I think he was the top in vertical and broad jumps. He was one of the top guys in the 40. He's a guy that doesn't really have a lot of film out there. He's kind of a one-year wonder. Um, and it's really but, good size for that speed, too. Yeah, really good size. He's 6'4", or something. Yeah, 6'4", and 210, 215. Um, he's a guy that I think you could develop long-term. He's probably like a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick, but I think he could be, like, a valued guy. Um, Alex Barnes from Kansas State, really solid runner, has the ability to catch the football. Um, I think he would be a very good short down, short yardage back, um, and I think he'd be another option on day two or day early day three. The guy I was absolutely blown away by was... Um, 
Montez Sweat. Like, yeah. there's no way. Well, to the point he's not going to be there at 25 right. anymore, yeah. Right. I mean, he was incredible. You looked at... 4-4-2? Yeah, that's he, nuts. He's like 6-7, like 260. Like, yeah, that's, that's incre- unreal. It, yeah, so... I mean, and he had a sub seven one yeah, no, three cone. It wasn't like, That's it wasn't huge. like it wasn't like where it's only the forty yard dash. It was right. the other stuff too. Um, but okay, you got your three guys. So sticking with speedy receivers, uh, at this point he might be at not he might have jumped out of the Eagles' range, but I would say um, Paris Campbell, Ohio State. He ran like a four three something, and um, oh wow, so. We'll cut, cut through this for a second because the Eagles just restructured Lane Johnson's contract. Um, that should save them a decent amount of money, actually. And so I believe after all their moves they'd done recently, they were it like depending on like what Brandon Graham's total is and what Jason Kelsey's total is, I think they were like ten million or like eight million over the cap or something like that. Um, and I believe restructuring Lane Johnson should save them around like seven million more dollars. So they should be like right at the right at the cap right now. They'll have to do something else and they'll make a decision on Jason Peters, but this is kind of how he's how he's forte. Yeah, I mean, and remember it's a restructure, but that also kind of helps them. You get a bonus up front. You there's maybe some more guaranteed money. Uh Lane Johnson was a guy that I was a little concerned about moving forward just because from a money standpoint, you know, it is a big contract. And so You've got to figure out how you're going to work that in, especially with the next couple of years with Carson Wentz getting a massive extension eventually. So overall, um, I think that, hey, restructure who you want, but you're going to pay for it down the road. All right, since, since, that, since we're on that back on the Eagles topic, let's look ahead to end the podcast. What, what are you coming out of the combine, with all the things happening, what do you think is the next move the Eagles make? I think it's the Aguilar situation. I think they have to look for a trade market for him, establish a trade market for him, and get value for him. I say we find out what Jason Peters is thinking next. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, it's got to come soon. Yeah, you I mean, know? it has to come before the, the 13th, right? Right, yeah. All right. So we'll end on that note. Uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully the sound quality was better in the past. We got some new mics. Um, leave us some comments. Uh and we'll read them on the next episode. And thanks for listening, guys.